Hey guys, this is Mag, and welcome back to the You Don't Wanna Know podcast. So recently I was thinking, um, I was actually watching my boyfriend play video games, and someone was referred to as Dutch. Like, they called him Dutch. And I was like, you know what? I'm Dutch. And I was like, that is the coolest freaking nickname ever. So I was thinking about going by Dutch. Probably won't, but it's just a fun thought. Don't know why I had to bring it up, but there it is. I'm laying it out on the table. So um, this week's case is particularly horrible. So just like mentally prepare yourselves for that. Um, I have been kind of like in a weird mood transitioning from spring to summer, back to spring, back to winter. Um, so I don't know. I've just been like not prioritizing and I apologize for that. So I'm going to try and be more consistent from like now on. Not that anyone really cares, but I do and I want to be more disciplined with myself. So I will try to do it every two weeks. I will be better for you, whoever is listening to this podcast. You hear that? I'm doing this for you. So I didn't watch a movie because I don't remember why I didn't watch a movie. I actually, you know what? Strike that. I saw Doctor Strange in Madness in the Multiverse or whatever. Huh. Phenomenal. Like, blew my mind. Great movie. Definitely recommend. Super awesome. If you guys know me at all, you'll know that my two favorite things are superheroes and scary movies. So when Brightburn came out, however long ago, that just like, I was whole. I was so happy. So that was like freaking amazing. Um, that one, if you don't know what Brightburn is, it's what would happen or like what, like a story about when Superman came down to earth, but he was evil. So it was really spooky, really gory, loved it. And then I heard about mutant i think it was called and that was supposed to be a scary movie about like mutants going to an asylum or whatever sucked bad movie bad movie don't watch it not worth it feel really bad saying that because it's got Arya stark in it but like 10 out of 10 don't recommend sorry i feel like i'm talking fast i need to slow down okay so when I heard about this movie and how like Sammy Rami, I think his name is, he was writing it and he's like done other spooky stuff. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get my hopes up because that's what happened with Mutant or New Mutant, I think it was called. Because like I heard about that movie coming out in like 2019 probably. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was supposed to come out, but then COVID decided to happen and It took forever to come out, and when it finally did, I was super pumped, and it was just horrible. So I heard about Doctor Strange and how it was supposed to be, like, kind of spooky, and I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. Like, obviously, I'm going to watch it because it's a superhero movie, but I'm going to, like, put it in the back of my mind that it's supposed to be kind of, like, spooky, but whatever, and it's kind of like, that's what I did for the Spider-Man Homecoming when I heard that all three Spider-Man we're supposed to be in there. I was like, you know what? I heard that it's going to be like this, but I'm not going to expect it. It's just a Spider-Man movie. So when I saw all three of the spider guys, I literally started crying because I was so happy. So 
when I got to Doctor Strange and someone decided to crawl out of something because I don't want to ruin that. I will leave it that, um, that open, not very detailed. I freaked out because it was so freaking creepy. And I was like, yes, this is going to be freaky. Then on top of that too, there was a scene where like they were fighting with music or something like that. A lot of the stuff kind of was hard to grasp just because they were in different universes but it was like an orchestra and I was like mm, another note is hitting me because I also love musicals so like that's my across the board for movies I'm super weird about it but whatever definitely recommend watching Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness I already plan on buying the DVD because yes I still buy DVDs whatever I do have um, a quick little thing I want to talk about. So there is a story about Conrad Roy. And he's from Boston, Massachusetts, and it's a super sad story. There's actually a documentary that came out about what happened, and it's called I Love You Now Die. And essentially, it's about these two teenagers who meet up. They both have some severe mental issues and excuse me while I adjust the microphone that is in my elbow um the girlfriend just like pushes him over the edge so they eventually start dating and the girlfriend just encourages him to commit suicide and the documentary is goes over like court court stuff trials on convicting her of some kind of punishment I don't remember what it is um just because she pushed him to kill himself and at one point he he gets out of the vehicle because he's trying to kill himself with gas and she tells him to get back in the vehicle so I watched that and then which like is it's so funny because I feel like this happens a lot where like I'll watch something and then something very relevant to that comes out so it was called the girl from Plainville came out so I started watching that and it just it makes me so upset because if you follow this case, and I will talk a little bit about it, she wants to be famous. Like, it's very, very, very clear to me that that's exactly what she's trying to do, and we're giving it to her, you know? I get the documentary, but the show, like, that just freaking sucks. Even if it is painting her to be, like, a loser or, like, a killer, there's still a show about her, you know? It just drives me crazy. Like, just stick to documentaries, guys. That's all they need. So, even though she didn't kill him, she did play a part, and it seemed like she orchestrated orchestrated the whole thing like a Charles Manson thing. Like, she basically pulled his strings. She seemed like she wanted the attention, and this was how she was going to get it. You realize that she didn't have a lot of friends, um, and she had set it up to where she was saying she was worried about him and all this stuff and when it finally happened everyone kind of flocked to her and gave her what she wanted I'm sorry I was yawning for that during the documentary and this was only like brief parts of it I guess so you could say that it's not very unbiased but I didn't see her cry when they were describing what had happened to Conrad or anything like that but she started crying when she was convicted so I feel like that says a lot um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show, I think it was a show, 
called Don't F With Cats. And if you don't know what that is, it's like super, super crazy. So I definitely recommend watching that one too. Like I'm just giving you guys gold right now. So feel free to thank me as soon as you can. (laughs) Basically, this guy posts a video about like herding cats and people just like freak out and they're like, no, this can't happen. We have to find who this is and we have to put a stop to it. So they like start digging and digging and then they post, he posts another video that I don't even want to tell you what it is because it's so horrific. And then he posts another video of him murdering someone. And in the video, he like sets it up to be like a movie that he watches a lot. I can't remember the movie, but he legitimately like does it the exact same way. He kills the person the exact same way as the movie does it. And there was a point where he like, tried to be a reality star and he went into a news station and so he was Canadian and he went into a news station and he was like I just want to set the record straight that I'm not dating Carla Homolka and if you don't know Carla Homolka is you are very new to true crime and thank you for starting here even though you probably didn't just kidding um Carla Homolka is a horrible 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 human being who um basically aided um a pedophile a monster um just a sexual predator um she helped him murder um innocent girls and it was just horrible so he was like i'm not dating her even though he was nowhere near like the news's radar and no one believed that but he just said that so he can get attention and that's kind of what is what was happening with this case, in my opinion, she was quoting things from Glee, which was a show she really enjoyed. So it just seems very obvious to me that like, she's fake. And like, all of her actions were so fake. Now, keep in mind, they did push the fact that she was very, like in a mental, bad mental state. And who knows, maybe that was actually what led her to do that but like I can't think of one reason that of like justifying her action in what she did because Conrad Roy from what I could tell seemed like a pretty like awesome person so screw you I'm not even gonna say her name honestly don't even remember her name I just remember that she's from Plainville I think she might actually be getting out of jail pretty soon because she went to a jail for a very brief period. But like, I just want to like stop talking about it because it makes me so mad. She doesn't deserve to get any attention. We should give Conrad Roy III all the attention because he didn't deserve to die so young and he affected so many people and he was from Massachusetts and Massachusetts has Boston and I freaking love Boston. It's wicked awesome. So sorry to bring it back to me but I just it makes me so mad like I just I don't want this stupid show to be a thing but whatever okay so that's my rant for the day about movies and shows you're welcome I actually got really excited I'm working at this job it's fairly new and my boss um told me to watch what was it uh it's called 
Top Gun? Top Gun, yes, that is the name, because I always say Top Flight. Um, and it was interesting. It was good, especially for, like, an 80s movie. It was good. There was, like, a sex scene in it, and they just, like, stuck each other's tongues in each other's mouths, and that was really gross, but, like, whatever. It was interesting, and I'll probably watch the new movie that's coming out, but he's like, okay, you watch the movie I recommended, now I'll watch whatever movie you recommended, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing that you could bestow upon me. Like, I legitimately thought about it for five days on what movie I should give him, and he's a Navy SEAL, so I was like, okay, I gotta do this right, because if I give him a good movie that he likes, he will continue to come to me and I can continue to recommend movies. So I was like, okay, First Instinct, Dark Knight, phenomenal movie, probably one of the best movies ever made. (laughs) Just kidding. But like, it's super, super good. Like one of, probably my favorite movie is The Dark Knight. And I was like, well, superhero, Batman, maybe he's not into that. He is like a Navy SEAL. So I was like, next best movie or another freaking phenomenal movie um end of watch I can never it's either like end of watch last call it's definitely end of watch though end of watch great movie freaking amazing movie but it's really sad so I was like okay I'm gonna give, give them both give them an option so I like explained the movies I was like hey here's this movie and here's this movie this movie I think you're really gonna like but it's super sad this movie's great all across the board but it is a superhero movie. So I will update you guys on what he says in case anyone's wondering. But those two movies are great. Definitely watch Dark Knight, then Dark Knight Rises. Or if you want to be a really big baller, watch Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Um, Or watch End of Watch because, oh my gosh, that's such a great movie. I have both of the DVDs. Well, I guess technically all four, but that is beside the point. Okay, now it is time that we talk about this horrible, horrible, horrible case that I've kind of been putting off talking about with my rant. So this is the Hi-Fi Murders. Get ready, guys. Definitely don't play this one out loud because it's uh, not fun, but here we go. We got to talk about it. We got to bring awareness and give these people their story because they deserve to be spoken about the the bad people not so much so here we go Ogden Utah which I realized I did not look up how to say so I'm going to say Ogden Utah on April 22nd 1974 there was an electric electric electronic wow electronic store called hi-fi it was on Washington Boulevard there were two people working it, and that was Michelle Ainsley and Stanley Walker. Now, they were closing up for the night, getting everything ready, doing closing procedures, and I'm sure they were, like, just focused on getting that done, not looking up, you know, because when it's the end of the day, you want to get out of there. When all of a sudden, two guys walk in, and they have guns, so... Ainsley, uh, Michelle Ainsley and Stanley Walker just listen and do what they're told and the two guys push them into the basement and tie them up. Now the two guys go back upstairs and they start robbing the place. 
and I believe that they can hear other people also taking a bunch of stuff. So Stanley and Michelle, they're just quiet and they're just hoping this goes by quickly when all of a sudden somebody else walks in. Courtney Nasby was a 16-year-old boy. He came in because um, he had parked his car in the parking lot of the Hi-Fi a parking lot and he was just coming in to say thank you for letting me park there because he's a freaking good person and it's very sad but he walked in on the robbers and they did the same thing they tied him up and they threw him in the basement now very soon after he was thrown in the basement somebody else comes this is Orrin Walker the dad of Stanley Walker He was worried because his son hadn't come home yet and it was just not like him. So he was being an amazing father and coming in and checking on him. But he was overpowered by the two guys in robbing the shop and he was also tied up and thrown in the basement. Now, the two men that were in the store, their names were Pierre Dale Selby and William Andrews. So Selby was tying up um, Warren Walker and he told Andrews to get the stuff from the car. So Andrews came back with some kind of bottle and a brown paper bag and um, he poured it into this paper cup and Selby took it and gave it to Warren Walker and he told Warren to make everyone drink this and he said that it was vodka and sleeping pills. But the thing was, um, the liquid was blue. So I think that kind of triggered Oren because he's an adult. He knows vodka isn't blue. So Oren refused. And at the same time, the two robbers heard the door open. So they were really frustrated. So they bound and gagged and um, made Oren face the floor. They went upstairs and it ended up being Carol Nasbitt, the mother of Courtney, She had the same thought process as Warren, where her son is normally very good at being on time, and I would assume that he normally kept her up to date with what was going on because she came to the hi-fi store. So that just means that, in my opinion, he probably tells her, like, what he's going to do throughout the day. So she came to the store, and both Selby and Andrews overpowered her, also tied her up and threw her in the basement. And at this point, Pierre was really, really mad, or excuse me, Selby, was really, really mad, and he forced the liquid down everyone's throat himself. He gave up on Oren, and instantly, they began to blister in their throat, in their mouth, um, around their mouth, and the skin was peeling. So this kind of made them realize that this is not vodka. And later on, we find out that this is Drano, so industrial drain cleanser. Horrible. And the active ingredient of Drano is sodium hydroxide, which is acid. And like I said, they just started blistering right away and their skin started peeling. And Michelle, when it came to her point, uh, her time to drink it, she just begged and pleaded, please don't make me drink this but it didn't matter. He still shoved it in her face and made her drink it. So they were just screaming in pain because they had acid 
in their stomachs. Well, stomach acid, sorry, that was stupid. But like, not natural, you know? They had it in their throats, they had it in their mouths, they had it on their skin, they were blistering, their skin was peeling because of this. They were just in excruciating pain. And um, Andrews and Selby didn't know what to do because they were so loud and they thought that they were going to die so fast. Um, so what they did was they put more Drano in their mouths and then they duct taped their mouths closed. And trigger warning, this is going to be kind of rough. The tape wouldn't stay because of all the blisters and the peeling skin. The tape just slid right off. So, at this point, Selby decided that they weren't dying fast enough and he was going to start shooting. So, he shot Carol in the back of the head. Then he shot Courtney and he turned to Warren and he shot Warren, but he actually missed. Then he turned to Stanley and he shot Stanley. Then he turned back to Warren and he shot Warren again. Then he turned to Michelle and this slime ball of a human being, Selby, pulled Michelle into a corner and ripped off her clothes, then proceeded to rape her at gunpoint. Take a quick deep breath. We can get through this. Whew. So the whole time Michelle is just pleading and crying and he drags her back over to the other people and her last words were I'm too young to die as she's begging for her life and he shoots her in the face so while this is all going on Andrews is just sitting there watching this all play out doesn't stop him doesn't run away doesn't call the police he's just watching horrible human being so they think everyone's dead and they go to leave but then they realize that Oren is still breathing. Now, what they didn't realize about Oren was that he was the last person to drink that Drano. And he saw what was happening to the other people, all the other victims. He saw that they were just writhing in agony. He saw the blisters that were forming and he knew that it wasn't vodka and sleeping pills. So, Instead of drinking it, he let it pour over his mouth to make it look like he was drinking it. And then he just mimicked the symptoms. A very, very smart guy. Very smart guy. So, unfortunately, the robbers realized that he wasn't dead. That's when Selby grabbed a piece of wire and tried choking him. But this dude is so freaking stupid. And I feel bad for saying this because I don't want to like admit to knowing this, but I do know that strangling takes a really long time and they probably thought that he would die right away or even worse it was like um dennis raider where he would choke them and then they came back now dennis raider he was the btk killer but i do not like to refer to him as that because he loves being called btk he came up with that himself so i'm gonna call him dennis for one of his first kills he tried to strangle people and they just kept coming back because you pass out you can still breathe at some point um within a few minutes of passing out so they kept coming back and then he would strangle them and they come back so who knows if this was happening to Oren, and then they finally just give up so who knows what really happened i guess some people might know but i couldn't find anything on it 
but hopefully that wasn't the case. But then it gets so much worse, guys. It gets so much worse. So they give up on strangling him and Selby takes a ballpoint pen, sticks it in his ear and stomps on it until it starts to, it broke through the airway and started protruding through his neck. (sighs) Okay. That one was bad. That one was really bad. So, at this point, the two robbers believed that he was dead and there was no way he can come back from that, so they left. They went back upstairs and they took the rest of the stuff and drove away in their two getaway vans. At the end of the day, they ended up taking about $24,000 worth of um, equipment from the store. But the thing is, Orn was still alive. And actually, so was Carol, and so was Courtney. So it was about four hours later when police came, and the reason why they came was because Oren's wife came looking for him, because first it was Stanley, now Oren didn't come home, and she was worried. So she brought her kids and came to the hi-fi store, and she obviously saw that it was robbed and she started freaking out. So she called 911 and her son heard something going on in the basement. So he broke down the door and he's the one that saw everything. So, oh, that poor boy. So like I said, the police came up four, um, four hours later and they found four people tied up. And Michelle was unfort- was not tied up, I guess. I don't know if that's fortunate or not. But she was not tied up. So George, George Thormorton, um, he was the forensics crime scene investigator um, at this case. And his quote was, when I got there, there was a man with a pen stuck in his ear running around. Um, Thornton also said that the Drano didn't kill them because they threw it up right away. And this is what he says. He also, um, quote, says, so they gave the Drano again and put tape over their mouth so they couldn't throw it up. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if he just, if he was that smart to realize that they weren't dying because they were throwing it up. Who knows? But this is just what this guy says. So Stanley and Michelle were both pronounced dead on scene, but Oren and Carol and Courtney were still alive. So they were brought to the hospital and unfortunately, Carol died in the hospital Orn was alive and he was actually like coherent and he was speaking, but Courtney was not and he was not good for a really long time. Orin survived mild poisoning, he survived a shot in the head, he survived the choking, and he survived the torture. He had severe burns on his, esoph- on his stomach and in his, in his esophagus. Somehow, um, Courtney survived and his injuries were really, really, really bad. Um, the doctors thought that he wasn't going to make it, and unfortunately his brain damage was irreparable because he was shot in the head. He was actually in the hospital for 226 days, but his dad, his dad was uh, Dr. Brian Nasbitt. He had made sure someone was at his side every single day while he was there, and some doctors actually say that they think that's why he survived, because he was in the ICU for so long, and the um, theme uh, for being in the ICU is you either 
just die right away or you get better right away. And Courtney was just always on the edge. So the entire time, they never thought he was going to make it. But he did. And who knows why? Hopefully, like, it's just the support of the people around you. So Carol's husband, Courtney's father, had to identify um, Carol's body. He said, I went down to the morgue to identify her body and I can still see her. And he said some other things. Um, He said, like, it's amazing she's dead. And that was kind of weird to me. But like I said at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of people grieve differently. Like that one girl who told the guy to kill himself. He didn't, she didn't cry. So maybe Dr. Nasbitt is like that. I don't think he did it in any way, shape or form, but it was just kind of weird that he said that. So this is April 22nd, 1974. I don't remember if I said that, but while everyone's in the hospital trying to get better and just fix all the damage, the police are out looking for the people who did this. And luckily Oren could help a little bit, but not a whole lot. Courtney actually had amnesia, so he couldn't help at all. Not that he needed to because he needed to get better. So it's not a bad thing by any means, but the police were on the hunt for this man, whoever did it. So police got a tip the next day. It was either the next day or the day after, which I guess might be the same thing. The next day or two days after. Um, there was a tip from an airman station at the, um, from an, a guy at the base, and he said that um, he thought that Sable, Sable, however you say his name, because who cares how you pronounce it, and Andrews, he thinks they did it because they had talked about robbing a place before. He said, the um, anonymous tip said that um, Andrew said, one day I'm going to rob that hi-fi shop, and if anyone gets in my way, I'm going to kill them. The witness also said that um, he was watching Magnum Force with the two guys and they were whispering back and forth about a future robbery. And in that movie, they force a woman to drink Drano and they die instantly. One other other thing that happened that um, really just led the police to go to the Air Force base was obviously the fact that teenage boys were digging around the dumpster and they found evidence um, purses, wallets, um, of the victims that were just dumped there. So the police came to the Air Force and they were collecting all the evidence and a big crowd came and kind of formed and there were these two guys in the crowd. They were acting really, really weird. They kind of looked frantic compared to everyone else. They were pacing back and forth, talking really loudly, using crazy hand gestures and the police kind of just like looked at each other and they're like, yep, that's our guy. Like we know them because Selby was already on the police radar for other things, so they arrested them, and they got a warrant for their barracks, and they went and searched searched the barracks, and what they found was hi-fi flyers and um, a lease agreement for a storage unit really, really close to the store, so not working with masterminds over here, obviously. They went to that storage unit and they found the missing or some of the missing stereo equipment and they kind of just like sealed the deal with that. I don't know if um, one of the guys gave up the third guy that was caught, but eventually Keith Roberts was also convicted of 
um, or arrested, I should say, uh, for the murders. Uh, he ended up being the getaway driver, and as things started to unfold, the police kind of realized he seemed to be the mastermind. But the thing that's really scary is that there were three other men involved in this robbery, and they were never found. So Oren was able to testify at the trial, but Courtney had suffered from an amnesia, 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 so he could not testify. The three men initially were charged together, but um, the court eventually severed Keith Roberts because he was only convicted of the robbery. He wasn't convicted of the mur murder, and he said that he didn't even know about the war murder. So the NAACP actually got involved with this case because they were saying that similar cases had happened with white men and they were let off a lot more easily. Which I'm going to be honest here, I feel like we're looking at this the wrong way and instead of letting these guys off more easily for these horrific murders, let's go back and get these other guys who got off easy for, this, for their horrible cases. That's just me. Now, let's talk about Selby a little bit. He was from Trinidad, and he moved to New York at 18. He was always getting into trouble, and he had a bad um, bad temper despite his parents' efforts. They really tried to raise a good kid, but some people just suck, and this is 100% one of them. He did not like not getting his way, and he would do whatever it took to be like happy and get what he wanted and before all this stuff happened I told you guys how he was already on the radar of police well he was a suspect for another murder Sergeant Edward Jefferson on October 1st 1973 Pierre was recording a music tape in Jefferson's apartment and um, before he left Jefferson realized that his keys were missing so um, Seably tried to help him find the keys and after a while they both just kind of gave up well later the next day um Seably came back and they both looked for his keys again and they found them miraculously so Jefferson was kind of suspicious on that and he was like did you like steal my key and give it back he kind of thought that he made a copy and maybe he was going to rob him and Seably being the person that he was just could not like accept that he was being challenged and he wasn't getting his way so he just kind of freaked out and left and October for, uh, 5th Jefferson was found dead with a long knife shoved through his head and that was very recently after so October 1st was when Pierre was there just recording his music so he was a very big um, person of interest in that case Don Moore, he was a detective, he was convinced, convinced that Seably did it, but he didn't have enough in, um, evidence, so he couldn't convict him. So he was already on the police's radar. Anderson, on the other hand, he, he said to live a normal life. He even had a lot of friends on the base for a while, but then he became friends with Sibley, and the more he became friends with him the more friends that Andrew lost and that was kind of his downfall to the point where he was basically alone and I didn't really find too much on Keith Rogers but 
he, like I said, he's the one that seemed to have orchestrated a lot of it, so who knows. So Pierre was given um, three death sentences, and um, that was that. He tried to change his name 27 times while he was in jail because he wanted to take the heat away from his family. He is said to have found God and spent his last days praying and reading before his execution date. He wanted to give Andrew, Andrew's um, $28, which was left in his commissary. commissary. Um, I don't know how that went. I hope that they just spit in his face when he said that, but who knows? So Pierre was executed August 28th, um, 1987 at age 34. William Andrews, um, so Andrews, he also received three death sentences. And his case is a little messy. So he tried appealing like crazy, but they weren't having it. He tried to say that like he didn't know about the murders. He didn't actually commit them. He didn't shoot the people. But that was actually proven a lie because he had purchased the Drano. And um, the jury had a really hard time with this because they were looking at Selby's case and they were comparing him to Selby and the lawyers had to make it a point to say, don't look at the cases as a whole. Separate this case from that case and try and figure out, do you think it's worth the death penalty? And at the end they did. So he was put on death row and NAACP actually really pushed for him to um, get a different trial and that he wasn't being tried fairly. He didn't deserve the death penalty because of everything, but like he was the one that bought the Drano. So I feel like that's enough. Like that's all I need to say. Keith Roberts was, um, his trial was a year later and um, he only got charged with aggravated robbery he got out 13 years later. So that doesn't sit really well with me. I don't know. Obviously, it was so long ago, so who knows what his actual role in this whole thing was. But oh, it's just horrible. So he was paroled in 1987, and he moved to Chandler, Oklahoma. He was never on the police's radar again. He actually worked at an electronics store which for some reason that did not raise any red flags for me. But looking at it now, that's super messed up and it's almost like a sick way of living that moment again. Like him working at that store just kind of is like spitting in the face of other people saying like, I got away with it, haha, I'm out. Oh, disgusting. So Oren lived until 2000 and um, he died at the age of 69. And unfortunately, Courtney, he lived the rest of his life in pain. He really tried to have a normal life, but he suffered so much. Um, he was really, really amazing at science, but he just couldn't hold a job because of his disabilities. So um, he just needed help the rest of his life. But he did. He published a book. Um, this guy approached him and asked him if he could write a book on his point of view and what happened to him. And it was one of the first true crime books that focused on the victim instead of the killer, which I think is so important. I think the victim's story should outshine in every single possible way the killer or the offender. And I really tried to find more information on the other victims, but I just couldn't. It was so long ago. Um, 
I found out that Stanley, he was a basketball coach at his church, and that um, Michelle, she was only working there for about a week, and she was going to get married in August, and it was April. So that's just really, really sad. Um, but at least they left their mark, um, and their story is being told so they don't die without some kind of recognition, you know? So Courtney, he uh, died in 2002 at age 44, and Courtney's dad said that the hi-fi story is over and done, and he never wants to talk about it again. As for the hi-fi shop, it was taken down, and a restaurant called Cooper's was put in its place. There's no memorial for them or anything like that, so let's change that, you know? Let's figure out a way to put a memorial up for these people because they deserve to be remembered, you know? So somebody get on that, please. All right. Well, guys, we made it through this horrible case, but it had to be told because we don't want to let these people be forgotten because their stories are so important. So thanks for listening. If you have a case suggestion, please email me at the ydwkpodcast at gmail.com. I'll post pictures and um, some information on the case on Instagram at the YDWK podcast on Instagram. Um, thanks for listening. I will be definitely doing um, a, like a spooky case next because this was taxing. <laughs> this was really, really tricky to um, research because it was so horrible. So like I said, email me like and follow on Instagram. Do what you gotta do. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys later. Bye!